What a pleasure to say good morning to our science expert, Dan Riskin, who's here especially on a couple of uh, science stories, both of them kind of about the brain. Good morning, Dan Riskin. Yeah, good morning. I'm happy to be here on a Friday. Okay, so you had one story that we that, that you were all hot on, and then I, I sent another one because I wanted to know more about it from a science perspective. Um, but let's start with uh, some new information about Alzheimer's. What is it? You know, this is neat. Uh, there's been a bit of a breakthrough in terms of figuring out the connection between these plaques that accumulate in the brains of people who have Alzheimer's and the death of neurons. Neurons are cells that don't normally die very much. They, a neuron can live for your whole adult lifetime and and survive that entire time and, and be well taken care of by your body. And part of why Alzheimer's is so terrible is that your neurons start to die. And of course, your brain doesn't work the same if it's got fewer neurons. But the link between these plaques that people have in their brains that have Alzheimer's and the cell death has been confusing. And researchers say they think they've they've kind of found a, a missing link and it's the fact that when the, the the plaques build up between the neurons, um, they they have a, a signaler this th this thing called Meg three, and that causes the 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 cells to automatically kill themselves to basically commit suicide. And so what they did is they transplanted a bunch of human neurons into a mouse model, and they showed that this mechanism works. But then they what they did is they tried to find a drug that would basically turn off Meg, so to make Meg be quiet, basically. Shut up, Meg. Exactly. So to do that, and then once Meg, the, the signaler was quiet, the, the cells weren't dying inside the mouse model. So they're, they're hopeful that there's going to be a drug treatment that can stop the brain cells from reacting to the plaques by secreting this Meg and thus not commit suicide and kill all those neurons. And so this might be a way forward to prolong life or prolong the, the longevity of the brain for people that have Alzheimer's, or maybe it's a cure, or maybe it's maybe it's a dead end, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I find it perplexing, you know, having had, my dad having had uh, dementia, and I don't know if we ever officially diagnosed it as Alzheimer's or it was just run-of-the-mill dementia, but it just doesn't seem there's been a lot of progress on this file over the last decades. Yeah, and it's it's there are few things as hard on a family as uh, having a, a loved one go through that because it, it breaks the relationships in ways that other kinds of diseases don't, and and so uh, you know it's it's something that a lot of people are, are very emotionally uh, impacted by, and something that they really want to find a cure to. So great that they've got this step in in the uh, in the progress direction, and um, who knows, maybe artificial intelligence will crack the case in the next two years, and and all that human work will be just on the sidelines. We will see. I don't know in this next story whether to be heartened or terrified because they did research on people in cardiac arrest and effectively um, you know some of the people would die of cardiac arrest but the ones who were brought back from death had all kinds of stories to tell yeah, there's a there's a really cool paper that's come out recently, not not the one that uh, that came out today, but the paper that sort of sets the stage for this was where they were scanning the brains of people as they died and looking at how they start to light up. And and what they've what they've seen is that just as people are crossing over, so to speak, uh, after the heart has stopped, the brain goes through the spike of activity. But it's been sort of a mystery about what happens there. And so this study was trying to sort of get the small percentage of people that come back from that experience that that almost die and then they have CPR applied and then they come back to ask them what they experienced. And in fact, with this one, they actually tried to do some things like show them pictures and play music during that event 
and then see whether the people could, it, it, the, the survivors would be able to name what song they'd heard or say what they saw a picture of afterwards. And so the, the study that the previous study had just been people that were dying and there was no intervention to save them. It was just an observation of what happened in the brain as they were passing away. But for this study, they had 25 hospitals across the US and the UK agree to sign on. And basically when a person went into cardiac arrest, not only did they try to save their life, but they also put a brain scanner on their head to measure their electrical activity of their brain. And then they put a, a basically an iPad in front of their face with these pictures and they put headphones on them and played songs so that if they were able to bring them back, uh, they could find out whether their brains were collecting information during that experience. And the big take home uh, from the, the press release uh, is that there's there was lots of uh, brain activity and uh, that that the researchers believe that when people say they're having a, a lucid experience uh, as, they, as they cross over, uh, that those people that come back describe having had that experience. He, what they're saying is that that is a legitimate real thing. The brain is lighting up in ways that suggest that that's not a hallucination, that you're really having access to real memories and you may actually be seeing your life as it flashed before your eyes. But in the study, only 9% of all the people who went through this experience were saved. Uh, and then of that, only a small percentage could be interviewed afterwards. Uh, so they only ended up with uh, 11 people that uh, actually said that they had an experience and could describe it. And of those 11, and this is from starting with 560 people, um, but of those 11 who could talk about the experience they had and the fact that they, they saw the other side and they saw a light or whatever story they told, none of them could describe what they saw and none of them could describe what they heard. And so it's starting to paint a picture about what the brain can and can't do in those moments and what those experiences are like. But ultimately, it still leaves a lot of questions despite, you know, taking 500 people and, and strapping them into all this equipment as they yeah. passed. Um, I have to say, in looking at the methodology, it struck me that they were kind of harassing people who were in the process of dying. Yeah, I mean, they do. I, I, I haven't looked to see what their ethics approval was, you know, how they got this, but they would have had to have approval of the patients and they would have had to have consent um, to do something like this. You're not allowed to do studies like this, certainly not in the UK and in, uh, in the US uh, and certainly not in Canada. You can't just start doing stuff like this willy-nilly and trying to probe people's brains as they're passing away like they're guinea pigs you you have to have consent to do something like this and i haven't checked to see whether how that was followed here but those things don't get approved uh, by university ethics boards or hospitals without those kinds of approvals of the patient themselves or their families if the patient can't give consent themselves thank you sir nice to have you this thank morning you. thanks that is our science expert dan riskin